Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Father Paul Koska and Brother Peter Xavier sharing about wearing a habit. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants of Christ Jesus. And today on the podcast, we have Father Paul Koska and Brother Peter Xavier sharing about... Brother Peter, do you want to tell everyone what you're sharing about? Hi, Edward. Hi. (laughs) We are talking about why do the servants of Christ Jesus wear cassocks? Actually, why do the servants of Christ Jesus wear habits? Oh, yeah. I already gave a spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, because not every cassock is a habit, right? We'll we'll talk about that Not every habit is a cassock. There you go. (laughs) 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 All right. So I guess we'll just jump right in. First, could one of you just explain for anybody out there listening who's never seen you guys, what are the ha- current habits that the servants of Christ Jesus wear? So the two basic habits are either somebody who's in vows, but not yet a priest would be in a cassock without a, rum, without a white collar, and then the priest wear a uh, cassock with a collar, and then those that are novices wear black pants with a black shirt that is custom made it kind of uh, it's unique to us so it's uh i don't even know how to describe it other than it's <laughs> a do. long black i shirt. call it the chef shirt it the looks chef like shirt. yeah yes, it does yes. you're right if it's untucked it looks exactly <laughs> like a chef shirt so that's true i've actually received that comment from somebody else and that's why i know that because the buttons so. are hidden right in the front for sure yeah. Can't, yeah yeah and is the novice habit shirt it's considered a habit is that correct yes okay and i guess what is maybe if you could explain what is considered a habit is it just any formal uniform that a religious wears yeah it would be the the garb that you receive in some formal capacity so at vows you receive the habit it's actually part of the rite of of the actual vow ceremony um and so you receive the habit it's not just something you like acquire on your own. It's okay. something that's given to you by the community for you to wear. All right. And I'll have, I have some questions about that later. First, starting off, it would be good to talk about the history or the tradition of habits in the Catholic church. Do you, do either of you know anything about the history or the tradition of habits in Catholic religious communities or even any scriptural examples of like religious habits or religious attire? So with a lot of different professions, there's specific outfits or uniforms that are related to that particular occupation, if you will. And so, you know, you have firefighters that have certain uniforms that were police, military personnel, all that kind of stuff. So similar to those specialized professions who hold a particular office, religious traditionally have worn something distinctive to be able to represent themselves to the world as a sign of their consecration. And so two kind of particular examples that might be helpful for people is, you know, the Benedictines, for example, have a specific habit that if you read the role of St. Benedict, he describes like this is what a monk is to wear within the monastery. And, and so For them, it was partly a unifying thing, but also 
the Benedictine habit is oriented as well towards like actually laboring because they're, you know, ora et labora. And so their habit is directly related to their vocation of, of both like prayer, but also working versus some habits that you see might not necessarily be all that helpful if you're like doing manual labor. And so, so there's a particular intentionality with that. And then with the Franciscans, the Franciscans and their tradition of habits particularly highlight poverty because Francis's dad was a, like a merchant and a cloth merchant. And so he, uh, his wealth, his family's wealth came from clothing and came from like making clothing that people wanted to buy. And, and similar to today, because the world in a certain way never changes, like you can spend like $5 on a piece of, uh, on a t-shirt, or you can go and spend like a hundred dollars on a shirt, you know, depending on what brand you get. And just like in our time, in that time, there was like simple clothing and fancy clothing and and so Francis's family was in that industry. And so for him, the clothing had a particular connection with his like life of previous to following Jesus. And so when he started to follow Jesus, he wanted to be close to Jesus in poverty in a particular way that that was manifested was the simplicity of the clothing that he wore. And then St. Ignatius, who we take particular inspiration from as well when he started living a life of penance and went to Montserrat and Manresa he specifically put on the garb of a pilgrim and so like at, at that time period there was literally garb of like simple clothing penitential clothing that one would wear if you were on pilgrimage and he actually switched with like a poor man and gave his like nice clothes to the poor man and took the poor man's rags. And so both in the Franciscan and in the Ignatian tradition that we uh, pull from, there's a strong uh, connection with poverty, simplicity, and uh, a change of life that happens when you put on a habit. Some things from scripture that you can just see as well. I mean, there's nowhere really that I know of in scripture it's like I mean obviously there's no necessarily religious explicitly like in the scripture stated that's wearing this habit but I mean right when they start talking about John the Baptist in the desert right one of the first things that they mention is that he's he's wearing camel skin he's you know eating locusts and he's eating honey so there's this emphasis on uh, it gives you an image of John looks different than everybody else right and then in the old law in the old testament Whenever they're talking about the Pharisees, the Levitical priests, God is giving them instructions, I mean, about many different things, but specifically what they're supposed to wear, what the men, the Jewish men are supposed to wear. And there's a specific instruction that is like supposed to be manifested in the outfit that they're wearing. And something that I learned this past summer when I was reading the daily readings that I didn't even know was in the book of Acts is... Um, and it's not necessarily the, the outfit of a habit, but you see this kind of theme, um, and we've talked about this in past podcasts, of uh, the exterior sign of the interior reality, right? Like the the the, the symbol that um, something is manifesting a deeper reality. And Paul, in Acts eighteen verse eighteen, it talks about Paul, and in response to making his vow, he shaves his head. So it's actually changed. Like people actually ask me all the time, "Why did the do you have to keep your hair that short? Like why do you guys always cut your hair?" And now, rather than just like giving 
some kind of example from the community or custom of the community, I can just quote scripture and be like, well, actually, when Paul makes a vow, he actually um, does a symbol, like an actual deeper reality to manifest it with his body, something that he just made to the Lord. And that goes back to the Nazarites in the Old Testament who would actually not cut their hair um, in the midst of making this Nazarite vow. And they also wouldn't drink strong drink and um, touch dead things and different things. So there's there's different, I would say, like hints that you can definitely see of God giving us in divine revelation of there's something about even what we wear that has significance um, to our spiritual life. I think that's probably a good question to jump into the heart of what this podcast is. So why do servants of Christ Jesus wear a habit? I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but I'm sure there's more depth and, and more reasons there. Why, why do you guys wear a habit? Because you don't have to, you know, there's religious communities that don't, and there's priests that don't very often. Why do you guys choose the custom of wearing a habit? So one one thing I'll I'll tell people who are married is, you know, a similar question might be, you know, why do you wear a wedding ring? And it's not that you have to wear a wedding ring. It's like you're not married if you don't wear a wedding ring, but it's a visible sign of your commitment to your wife and the habit similarly is a visible sign of our consecration to the Lord, our commitment to the Lord. Now, do we have to wear it in the, insofar as like, if you don't wear it, you're not a religious. No, but there is something to being a visible sign of the consecration that's encouraging to people. It can also be intimidating for people at times. Uh, like if you walk into a bar or you walk into a dorm and there's something can be intimidating because people sometimes change their behavior when they see like, oh, a priest is around. So it's not that it always makes everybody comfortable, but I think the the visible reality of it helps people to know that God is here, you know, that God is amongst his people and there's a when when we don't wear it, when religious don't wear it, it's not that they're bad people, but there's a lack of visibility which can impact people's some people have literally never seen, like were the first time that they've ever seen a person consecrated to the Lord. And so that's striking to them, but it's also sad that like for them they haven't seen somebody in a cassock or a habit ever in their life or maybe in a long time. Something happened to me at the end of my first year of religious life that really um, has changed the way that I viewed a habit. And it's because, so one of the uh, formation exercises that we do as Servants of Christ Jesus is um, the manual labor month. So Brother Thomas and I, um, we were down in Vado, New Mexico, you know, working in the desert and uh, digging holes and building gardens and clearing out debris and doing whatever the Lord's Ranch needed us to do, which we've talked about already on the podcast. And I remember that I just spent a, my first year in community after leaving college and one, it's way easier knowing I'm going to wear the same thing tomorrow, you know, just practically. <laughs> but also there, there's just like to a sense of like, sometimes I miss basketball shorts, you know, like just being able to like chill on basketball shorts or go around. And when we work out, you can wear basketball shorts. But I remembered when we were doing the manual labor, we were wearing a, like a modified habit of, cause it's literally a hundred degrees and we're in the sun. So wearing the black habit would have yeah, it would have been hard. And so we were wearing just like a t-shirt and pants and work boots. And I was noticing like within myself kind of like a, a, a wanting to like 
cling back to that old aspect of the life, being able to wear like whatever I wanted to wear, just like a temptation from the enemy, you know, being aware of the spirit and how it's moving. And I remember going to a priest for confession and talking to him about this. And it, he was, um, he was a member of FSSP, um, which is a community that's very faithful, de- very devout. And they also wear a cassock as part of their habit from my understanding. At least every time I've seen them, they're wearing a cassock. And, um, asking him from counsel with this, of experiencing this temptation and stuff, he shared some wisdom that I would have never thought on my own. Um, and he told me that in me saying that I've experienced, you know, sometimes like actually a delight in when I'm wearing the work habit and it kind of bothers me. And I'm just like noticing it. I don't really know what to do about it. And he just sat there. I mean, he just says, it's really interesting. Cause I, I really would expect the opposite reaction whenever you take off your habit. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, I would, I would actually pray for the grace if I were you, um, that you're frustrated every time that you have to take your habit off. And I said, well, why? And he said, because when you're walking around in your habit, people look to you and see the reality of your life. When we're walking around town in our cassocks, people look to us and they know that we are followers of Jesus Christ and our entire life belongs to him. Whether they actually go to Catholic church, whether they were raised Catholic, just the fact that they see us in a cassock they know we belong to him. And now when I take my habit off, I actually have to strive harder and prove something to somebody that is literally just a gift in the outfit that I wear that just makes manifested something that I'm trying to live out interiorly. And it goes back to like the Nazarite vow and it goes back to Paul shaving his head and all of these things. There's a deeper reality that this is pointing to that's supposed to be a gift for us. And some things that have just come up in reference to this with like the scriptures and different things is if you, if you watch the chosen, which I know you haven't Ed and you still need to watch the chosen and everybody's listening to this. I'm an advocate for the chosen, not saying that's a disclaimer of the servants of Christ Jesus, but for brother Peter Xavier, I think the chosen is beautiful. And there's this beautiful moment in the chosen that just thinking about this concept of the habit, Mary's talking with one of her friends um, before the wedding feast at Cana. And they're talking about Mary's wedding. And Mary makes this comment of, that there weren't a lot of people basically at her wedding and the girl goes, why? And she just makes like the hand motion, like, you know, like she was pregnant, you know, like pretending like her belly's bigger. Right. And there's this reality that we don't think about of everybody in Mary's little town knows that she's not married yet. Right. She's betrothed to Joseph. They haven't actually been married yet. They've taken the first step towards marriage. And then she ends up pregnant. Like thinking about the scandal (laughs) that Mary's having to walk around town being pregnant and no one understands like, no, <laughs> no one's going to understand the reality of what happened there. So Mary literally, when they, when they see her, they see the sign of contradiction. What they think, right. is something that's confusing. doesn't make sense. And might even as Father Paul was saying, might be intimidating or threatening. But reality is when they're looking toward Mary in her womb and when Jesus is in her womb, they're looking to Jesus. And in the same sense as well, you think about a Simon of Cyrene carrying the cross of Jesus, carrying the cross with Jesus, and how awkward that would be. Like his friends, family, seeing him walking through the streets with this criminal carrying this cross with him, and I bet he was really self-aware in that moment of everybody sees me right now. And I've had this actually really big reality check in religious life of no, they're not looking to me. You know, they're not looking at Simon of Cyrene. They're fixed on Jesus in that moment really. And that's the gift of the habit. And it's something that I think every religious, when they wear the habit, they can walk in confidence in is that if people are looking at me, I can just say, no, they're not. 
They're actually not. They're looking at the sign of contradiction that's in my outfit and they're looking to Christ himself. So it's really just a huge gift. Now that's a great question that I have for you guys. I assume when you walk around anywhere that people stare at you. Is that accurate? <laughs> yes. Like airports. And yes. And little girls are famous for going, mommy, mommy, he's in a dress. He's in a dress. <laughs> Constantly. Now, do you, uh, do you get used to that? What, what, what's that experience like? Because I blend in to the crowd almost all the time. But you guys stand out. What's that like? I think some of the brothers, namely Brother Peter, uh, <laughs> notice it more like i've just kind of come oblivious i'm very conceited very prideful and very aware that's what he just i i just have become oblivious to him most of the time there's times when people are like literally staring for yeah, yeah. you know multiple <laughs> seconds where you're just it's so obvious but if it's just like uh so i don't notice it all that much there are times when i do but i think for me the biggest challenge is probably just trying to represent the Lord well in light of the fact that this person knows that I'm consecrated to the Lord. I remember going back to like the multiple seconds thing. I remember we were in the Denver airport one time. I think I was by myself too. I think I was going to my home visit or something and I'm going through security and this woman who's probably like 15 in front of me is talking to a TSA agent and she's like, she turns around and sees me and she just jaw drops staring at me. And as I'm walking past, I hear the security agent, the TSA agent that's trying to talk to her go, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry. And I was like, wow, that's never happened to me before. Like literally lost all sense of reality because of the outfit I was wearing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a temperament thing. It really is. It's a temperament thing. Um, we all have our struggles. We all have our weaknesses. And some of us are very aware of how people perceive us. We can actually be a real gift in the Lord of being aware of how people are being loved and received in a moment, you know, and that can be used to build the kingdom, but also it can be a struggle of like, everybody's looking at me right now, you know, but I speak that word of Simon of Cyrene, right? Because, um, that's something that the Lord shared with me is, I mean, that's literally the same moment <laughs> like that's happening. I, Simon had to have felt so self-conscious in the moment, but the objective reality is no one cared about Simon of Cyrene in the moment. They only cared about Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about your guys's customs as servants. When do you, when do, when does a servant receive his habit or even like the various stages, when do they receive their different habits as they progress in formation? It's pretty cool because, um, Anytime that you see a servant wearing a different habit, something significant just happened in their life, which is really cool. And honestly, like, so I'm inviting you anytime you see a servant of Christ Jesus that's wearing a new outfit, unless it's workout clothes, that doesn't count. If they're wearing a new habit, ask them, like, what did Jesus just do in your life? Because something happened. So when we um, really the first official habit that you take that we would consider a habit, and it might have to do with something about it being blessed. I don't, I'm not really sure about that, but I know that our habits are actually blessed with holy water and there's a whole ceremony that we do for that in the mass. But when we receive the novitiate habit, that's when we take our religious name for the first time. So the first time that we put on black is literally the same moment that I'm called Brother Peter Xavier for the rest of my life, for the rest of the time that I'm discerning, right? So there's just a very significant and noticeable change. One for myself learning like I have to learn how to sign Brother Peter Xavier in cursive because I've never had to do that before in my life, you know, which is a lot harder than it sounds. It sounds stupid, but it's real. 
so there's a huge transition there, but then also it's one of the most beautiful things I think about the vow ceremony is, and for the people that were there, they'll, uh, at my vows a year ago, um, they'll remember this of you are in your novitiate habit and you're kneeling at the foot of the altar. I was in the cathedral, um, in downtown Denver and you're professing your vows to Jesus in the Eucharist, right? You're professing poverty, chastity, and obedience, literally kneeling right there as Father John the Superior is holding Jesus in his hand. It's a really beautiful moment. And right after you profess your vows, you go into the back sacristy. And that's, from, from my memory, I think this is how this happens, of um, that's the moment when we take our cassock. Um, so you come out after you, you make your vows, and then the next time everybody sees you, you're wearing the symbol of your vows. You're wearing the cassock. And it was funny because I was very caught off guard. So going back to Brother Peter feels things, and maybe Father Paul doesn't as much. I don't know if Father Paul happened to this when he put on the cassock for the first time, but everyone was like, what took you so long back there? And it, I tell people, which is true, Brother Thomas was praying for me, but reality, I walked back there and I lost it. Like I just started like weeping because there was just making the vows and putting on that cassock for the first time. It's after the Lord invites you into religious life and tells you, I want all of you. This is like the first time the religious gets to say, I want to give all of myself to you. Like you're making that declaration, even though it's for three years, right? It's just temporary vows. But it's really that like first public declaration of a vowed declaration in front of the whole church. Everybody's there. And then you're wearing that every day for the rest of your life, which is pretty cool. So those are kind of like the two moments that I think are significant. And then you get the collar when you're ordained. Another significant moment. So it's the same cassock, just has a collar. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So then what's the inspiration for the current habit that y'all wear? Father Paul, you mentioned at the beginning, like the Benedictine monks had a habit that suited their lifestyle and suited their ministry. For you guys, what's the, is there purpose? Is there meaning behind the cassock that you wear? Is there a reason why it's black? Because like some communities, they have blue habits or they have gray habits. Why do you guys have black cassocks? So the first thing I'd say is, you know, Black is resilient to Brother Peter spilling on himself, which happens uh, quite I frequently. I still find a way to stain it, too. So <laughs> tell me how that happens. <laughs> that's the real mystery. That's what you guys had in mind before he showed up? Yeah, that's right. That's we knew it, it was a prevenient grace. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll explain what that is on the next podcast, because I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so the the main original thing was before we got ordained was we wanted to have something that was simple, showed a distinctive consecration, but wasn't something that made people think like we're ordained priest yet, you know? So the, the novice habit was like the original habit that we wore. And so that was the kind of origin of that was trying to have something simple, consecrated to the Lord, but not, confusing people like why why are these people priests but they're not actually priests or whatever so we want to make clear we weren't priests yet once we were getting ordained we wanted to have something that was simple insofar as the style of cassock that we wear literally has like a button in the mid uh the mid section and then a button at the neck versus like you know, some of the altar serving cassocks you might see have like 33 buttons. And so that takes a long time to put on. And so we wanted something that was simple, was a cassock, showed our consecration of the Lord, but not 
uh, excessively burdensome in terms of like getting ready in the morning. So that's the origin of why we wear the cassock that we do. Some people only interpret cassock to mean like you say the Latin mass or like you're like kind of a certain flavor of Catholicism or whatever. For us, we don't like seek to make it. It's not a political statement for us about, or like we want to be in union with the Bishop. We want to be in union with the Pope. We're not like advocating our special brand of Catholicism. We want to be Catholic. And so, and so some people interpret why we wear the cassock. They're like, Oh, or do you say Latin mass? And it's like, I've said last in Madden, mass in latin <laughs> with pope francis uh but uh, and so that that's something that's a dynamic for us is we just want to be catholic and consecrated to jesus so uh the real reason why we actually wear black uh, the first time that i heard this i give all credits to brother thomas gonzaga i think we were at uh, christ in the city and one of the people there asked him why we wear black and he shared this and i never thought about it before and then this is also for my AMZG brothers out there. <laughs> little Latin You're for you. Hey, AMG. I am an honorary member of the AMZG household. I almost <laughs> called it fraternity. <laughs> that would have been offensive. And correct me if I say this wrong. <laughs> so, frater memento mori. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. So frater memento mori means brother, remember your death. St. Ignatius talks about, I think it's in the meditations where he talks about um, choosing a way of life. Is that right? Um, and, and whenever there's a big life decision that we're making in the spiritual exercises, I think it's the third rule in this section. Ignatius gives the counsel to imagine yourself on your deathbed and reflect upon what would your life look like if you made this choice one way or another way. And from the perspective of I'm about to die, what would I want to choose basically? How would that um, pertain to this decision right now? And so there's a, there's an emphasis that, and not just there, many places in the spiritual exercises, there's this emphasis on death, but really black is the color that symbolizes death, right? And so whenever we see the diocesan priests or um, religious life priests that wear a black cassock or a black habit or whatever it may be, it's a symbol really of Romans 6 where Paul's talking about becoming dead to sin and a life for a life for Christ, a life for God. And so it's just another way of manifesting an interior reality. It's not just like we look really good in the color black. It's not, we're super pale. So it's kind of contrast. Um, but no, it's, 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 and it's also a reminder for me, you know, every time that I remember that I'm, I'm supposed to be living a death to this world and living for the kingdom of heaven. That's the whole reason that we take evangelical councils, right? Like take the vows is that we're dying to this world and living for heaven. So Now, a question that I have that I've actually heard people ask you when they're around you is, do you guys have like, is it like the cartoons where you have, it's like Fred Flintstone opens up his closet and it's just like 15 of the exact same shirts. Do you guys have that? How many, how many cassocks do you have? How many habits do you have? And do you guys even like have other clothes? Yeah. I think the fact that you just quoted the Flintstones really dates you first off. <laughs> That's true. It's, I've seen it in The Simpsons too, yeah, yeah. that defends me, which still dates me. So for those that wear the cassock, we normally have a formal cassock, which is thicker, has like suit lining, requires to be dry cleaned. So we have one of those and usually one 
non uh, formal cassock, so like the lighter lighter weight version. Occasionally, somebody will can keep a third as like a work thing if it's like we want to wear it outside of the house necessarily, but like around the house doing work, you could wear it if it's like an old worn out one. So generally, I have two. The priests usually have like a set of clerics, like just normal priest clerics that if we're doing like a work project on a mission trip or something where we're would like destroy the the normal habit uh and then those that are not priest will retain like a set of their original novitiate habit to use as like a work habit yeah i mean other than that i am a special situation because i have a bunch of military uniforms but except for me pretty much everybody just has like you know a bunch of black undershirts a set of workout clothes, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sparse in the closet <laughs> is what I would say. So what do you wear the formal cassocks for? So if I was going to a meeting with an administrator at DU or I was meeting with somebody at the diocese, I'd wear it. Uh, if it's a formal dinner or something like that or an event where somebody's wearing, like when somebody's wearing a suit, like a a normal you know lay person would be wearing a suit to an event then i would i'd be wearing the formal cassock and then you know day-to-day working teaching that kind of stuff you you can wear the lightweight cassock and are these cassocks like something you could just order from amazon just somebody like make them for you uh so the the habit that the novices wear we have custom made here in denver by a tailor the cassocks we order from like a religious supplies supplier called Toomey, I think, RJ Toomey. So people could theoretically order the clerical shirts online and that kind of thing, or even the habit, but new fashion statement. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not something you can just go to Target and buy. So if you only have two habits, I mean that like that's gotta be challenging in terms of the little that you have. Like I I mean I have 10 different shirts and so I don't have to take like exceptional care of them but you guys I'm sure have to wash them a lot and stuff like that how do you deal with that yeah it requires an intentionality especially with the formal cassock like if you have an event coming up because dry cleaning you know takes like two days usually so you really have to anticipate whatever's happening so it's challenging it's not as easy as just like having 10 different options in, in front of you Awesome. Well, as we close, I guess just do you guys have any stories? I mean, you've already talked a little bit about it and you can share some more, but just about times where the habit that you wear is like really impactful on yourself or on the the lives of the people that you encounter while you're wearing it. Yeah. So recently I had the opportunity to, uh, I was invited by some Catholic guys at DU to hang out with some of their the larger fraternity that they're part of. And I remember sitting there and just thinking to myself, I wonder if these guys have ever just been able to sit down with somebody that's visibly consecrated to the Lord, like just and spend time with them and ask them questions. And, and so there's something, you know, powerful, not so much about me being there, but about just the physical representation of of Jesus and being a sign of Jesus to people that don't necessarily get to encounter 
uh, a consecrated person all the time. We can take it for granted in our own community because we're around each other all the time or the people that are close to our community who see us all the time, the kids that we work with at, at Matchbuff where we teach them, you get kind of used to it and they get used to it. But I think there's something kind of like almost shocking about it when people haven't experienced it before, uh, which as I mentioned earlier, it can be challenging, but can also be consoling. And, and so, you know, like some of those guys are probably going to come to the upcoming mass that we have this weekend. And if I had been in normal clothes, I don't think that same impact would have happened. I think it was part of the visible reality that drew, drew them in. So normally in a lot of these podcasts, we always ask about what does this have to do with somebody who's not a religious? And is there anything for this? I mean, obviously, no, I'm not going to wear a habit tomorrow, but does this, does this topic have anything to do with people who are not religious brothers or priests? I think it totally does, but just probably not as, um, not as, how do I say this? Not in as obvious ways. That's how I want to say that. Um, I think there's little things that we can just be aware of interiorly. Like how, how am I open to that? Or how do I um, respond to that? Like for instance, like, am I open to like wearing a crucifix on the outside of my shirt rather than just wearing it underneath? It's not saying like you're a better Christian if you do or if you don't. Right. But like just being aware of like, what's my interior disposition to that? Is that kind of like make me timid and afraid and like self-conscious or am I just kind of like, yeah, this is awesome. This is who I am in a sense. Or if somebody comments on a scapula that I'm wearing, you know, anytime I see somebody's scapular hanging, I make it a point, at least for me, I'm like, hey, no scapular, you know, um, just to like say something. If somebody like notices that I'm wearing a scapular, do I take the opportunity to like um, see if there's something that the Lord wants to do here in this moment? Another thing is when I'm in public, if I'm going to sit down somewhere, like one thing that I do when I'm on planes is I'm very aware if somebody has a Bible out on their little tray table in front of them. So like, am I not afraid to pull my Bible out in public? You know, am I not afraid to make the sign of the cross in public? That's something that every Catholic does. And whenever we're at, I was going to say Luby's, I don't know if people eat at Luby's, but like at Luby's on a Tuesday night, we'll say Outback Steakhouse. How about that? That's like a family friendly. There we go. Outback Steakhouse, like on a Tuesday, you know? And like, we're going to make the sign of the cross right now. Again, like how am I open to that? Am I comfortable with that? Is that like a good thing? And is it an opportunity to um, be a witness? I think there's very little things that really just the question, it's not just about the habit and the black habit, but the question is, is how can I exteriorly manifest the interior reality of my soul? And is there ways that I'm already doing that, that I'm not cognizant of and that I can lean more into really just, it's more of just like an examination in that way. I think. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you to both of you. This, uh, there was more here than I thought that there was. I was like, what are we going to talk about? And there was a lot to talk about. Whenever you doubt, it's amazing. (laughs) I know. Well, thank you very much for uh, sharing your reflections on why servants wear a habit. As always, you can learn more about the servants of Christ Jesus and find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks at scjesus.org. Thank you, Father Paul and Brother Peter. Thank you, Edward. Thanks, Ed.